the sermon today um, is about service and giving. Um, it's a sermon that has something to do with this armistice day. I'll, I'll tell you that at 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock, if wherever you are, uh, see if you can listen and if you hear bells. There are bells playing across Europe and uh, the United States and every time zone, so you won't hear them now anyway. But at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, there will be bells playing. Uh, and we'll be playing bells at the... Uh, at the uh, late service, and so if you want to go up and listen to those right at the beginning, it'll be at 11 o'clock. Uh, the bells will be tolling uh, in commemoration of the armistice. 11, 11, 11, 1918. Okay? The uh, sermon text for this morning is from the Gospel of Mark. It is a uh, interesting text that is from the lectionary, but as I studied it and, and kind of read over it again and again, and I had this armistice day rolling around in my head, and for some reason I couldn't disconnect the two narratives, and so you're going to hear a sermon uh, that comes out of that context um, from the Gospel of Mark. So I'll be reading in the 12th chapter, beginning at the 38th verse. Listen for the word of God. As Jesus taught, he said, <clears throat> Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplace, and to have the best seats in the synagogue and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses for the sake of appearance and say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down with his disciples opposite the temple treasury. And he watched as the crowd put money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums of money. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth about a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury combined. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I, I read this text. It's a fantastic text for a sermon just following the stewardship month, which we, which we just had, where we had members of our finance committee come and tell you wondrous stories about all the good work that our church is doing and all the magnificent programs and ministries. Do you remember them getting up and, and telling those stories, right? And, and they did so in an attempt, in a hope, that you, by hearing how wonderfully run our church is and all of the great programs that we do, would be inspired to give and offer a pledge for our resources in 2019. You remember that? Are you with me? If you weren't here for that, uh, you know, it was, it was inspiring. Four weeks of finance committee. Oh, yes. 
But anyway, if, if you haven't put in a pledge card, you can still do that all the way to the end of the year to help support the many wonderful, quality, exemplary, outstanding ministries of First United Methodist Church, okay? And I wanted to, to say that to honor, first of all, the effort of, your, of our finance committee. They are very faithful people of this church, and they do a great job. And the, story, the narrative I just read you has to do with giving and what we learn about giving from the story of the widow. And the main thing I want to point out to you is that this widow gave her two little copper coins, which weren't worth, worth very much in monetary terms, but Jesus pointed out that she gave all she had even out of her poverty, that her giving was not what she could give and what she could afford after she had taken care of everything else in her life, did not give out of her abundance. Oh, I got all this and I'm going to give. She gave all that she had. Her giving was not associated at all with how much she had. It was the act of giving. Uh, giving not out of abundance, but giving out of a sense that she herself was on the receiving end of giving and therefore her giving came out of an abundance of the presence of God in her life. Um, Veterans Day is a day where we are mindful of those who give, those who serve. And Armistice Day is a day where we remember a um, hundred years ago. And so I want to tell you a couple of stories about uh, giving an armistice. Um, it was a hundred years ago, today, um, that the second battalion of the Fifth Marine Corps Div Infantry Division uh, lost 435 soldiers crossing a bridge in France, and the bridge was across a river that uh, were facing the German lines. And the bridge was a little footbridge, a, little a couple little tiny footbridge that were built by the army uh, engineers. Now some of the Marines had been watching the army engineers build this footbridge and it was rumored and recorded that they were not quite sure about the sturdiness of this bridge. In fact, you know how the, the different... Um, the different branches of the service kind of jab at each other. I mean, Tom couldn't let it go at the early service. He gave, he gave it to the Air Force and the Army. And, and then I had this sermon. I was going to tell you about So So the Marines are watching this bridge being built, and they're realizing that's a kind of rickety bridge to be crossing a river in. Well, the order came for them to advance. It was about 8.30 in the morning, and they did. They went across this river on this bridge built by the Marines that they weren't sure was built up to the specs that they were hoping it would be. And they marched, they, they, they moved across this river in the face of German machine gun fire. Now, machine gun was a new invention at the time, and it was capable of great carnage. And that's exactly what happened. And they went across that bridge. Those Marines gave all they had. And they gave it to cross a river that just two and a half hours later they would have been able to walk across without losing a life. 
And I'm telling you this story because I want you to grasp for just a moment how, how, what is it about our ability to be uh, killing one another at one time and then say, well, and at 11 o'clock, we're going to stop killing each other. That is a, that's a human capacity that really strikes me with wonder. These Marines gave all they had to cross this river that, that they could walk across in peace. And I wonder what kind of world it is where people are willing to give all they have to cross a bridge that they think is a little bit rickety, not perfect in any way, shape, or form, in a messed up war, in a messed up world with corrupt, uh, arbitrary leaders, uh, politicians, at that time, there were some czars and kaisers and kings, as well as the French who didn't know what they were, and then these uh, Americans who came across, and they didn't have a king either. But it was, it was, it was a mess. Just, just trust me, if you've read anything about World War I and what led up to it, it was a mess. And the bridge was rickety. And the Germans were on the other side with machine guns. And they did it anyway. You see, um, the great thing about Veterans Day is that there are German veterans and there are French veterans and there are Vietnamese veterans and there are um, Russian veterans. There are veterans everywhere. And what we're recognizing in veterans is this group of people who are willing to give all that they have and they're not stupid and they know the bridges aren't perfect and they know the governments aren't perfect. They even know their own chain of command isn't perfect. And they do it anyway. So I want you to think about giving in that way. And how that might relate to giving to the church. Whatever church people like to talk about, which church is better than the other church, right? Which one has the right doctrines, the right opinions, the right book of discipline. But this is how giving is done by veterans and widows. The signing of the armistice um, <clears throat> that, that happened at, uh, in France, it was a fairly random uh, and ill-conceived idea. It's a miracle it ever happened because there were all kind of uh, problems and it was raining the day before and the, 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 the German representatives almost didn't make it and the Kaiser and the Tsar and the king of England and the American. It was, it, it was a mess. It was just amazing that it ever happened. And it's, it, it, was, it was as bizarre an event to happen as was the beginning of World War I. You know, I don't know if you know anything about the history of that, but there was an archduke uh, who was killed in Austria, and that like, dropped a domino, which the Germans, and then the Russians got in, and then the French, and the It was a mess. It was just bizarre how that war got started. It is equally bizarre how the war stopped in 1918, 100 years ago today, at 11 o'clock, they stopped killing each other. And what strikes me most about World War I, more than the inconceivable way it started, and more than the random way that it ended, is what it can teach us about our capacity 
to be cruel. The, the brilliant technology that was developed to kill each other, the machine gun, gas, these things that flew in the sky, and then somebody said, hey, we could drop bombs out of these things. I mean, you are brilliant. Human beings, you are brilliant. The things you are capable of. And you know, we're very clever about the ways that we find to kind of dig at each other. I don't know if any of you have been on Facebook or in an email chain talking about politics today. No, none of you? I'm sure none of you have. But you're, you're clever, you're brilliant, you're funny, you're cutting. You can be cruel. But what I want to say about World War I and Armistice Day 100 years ago is please don't ever forget that you are capable of killing each other. And sometimes the rhetoric that I hear and I see in our world today strikes me as people don't realize that. We're very casual with it. And we've got to stop. Perhaps we need to think about that in the way we ramp up our political rhetoric in our community today. The vitriol and the, the discourse uh, that we see in our politics today. Now, we're not killing each other. But please be aware that you can. You are good at it. Okay? Into this truth, human beings are capable of great cruelty, corruption, and violence. Hello, saints. Hello, sinners. You're capable of it. Don't forget that when you're getting into your email chains. But will you please also hear that you are capable of reason, faithful, gracious, selfless acts of devotion. You are, you can do that too. Veterans Day, Armistice Day is a day to recognize that in the midst of everything that's wrong about war and wrong about nations and cruelty and corruption that individual soldiers can be honored and recognized and celebrated for their faithfulness whether they're german soldiers or french soldiers or american soldiers or german soldiers or russian soldiers or polish soldiers or you name it we can recognize the faithfulness of soldiers as jesus recognized the faithfulness of that widow See, honoring veterans and being patriotic doesn't mean that you condone everything your nation does or everything the chain of command does. Certainly in the military, they're always talking about, you know, the, the private gets to complain about the corporal and the corporal, the sergeant and the sergeant and on up. So, so we're well aware of it, but we're still able, capable of being faithful and crossing bridges that are rickety. So that's the great capacity of human beings to embody what, what I, I like to use the word love is. That's why we do some crazy things. Now, we like to talk about romantic love. Oh, yeah, crazy little thing called love. But love also does things like crosses bridges that aren't built very well. Right? So <clears throat> when Jesus uh, talked about this widow, he he was sitting with his disciples across from the temple, the wall, and the wall had a slot in it, and the people would come by and they'd put their money in the slot. Well, the slot on the other side of the slot was the temple. It went into the temple. The money went into the temple. They were sacrificing and giving to the temple, which Jesus was just 
going on and on about lambasting the temple for its corruption, for its hypocrisy, for the way it wasn't run well, for the priests and the scribes and, and all their bombastics. You know, he was criticizing the temple, pointing out its flaws. And the widow comes by and she's giving to the temple. And what strikes me is so powerful about that is it says that, that what Jesus and the kingdom of God is all about is looking at your individual heart, your capacity to love, in spite of your knowledge of the corruption of the world. He praised the woman for making her contribution to that flawed institution in the hope that the love that was in her that allowed her to do that was more powerful than all the messed up nations and armies and wars and temples and churches and denominations, that there's a love of God in this world that will overcome all that. And that's the kind of God that we've gathered here to worship today, the one that we can't understand, okay? Not, not ever going to give us all the right answers. Well, the kind of God that we worship is a God who loves us in spite of our capacity to be cruel, to invent machine guns and mustard gas and do all the stuff that we do. God loves us in spite of that, knows everything that we're capable of and loves you and calls you into redemption, that your heart would be changed, that you, like the widow, could give of yourself to this crazy mixed up world. That's the real challenge of, of Jesus, really. It's this idea that love and grace and mercy can overcome all of our brilliance and our cleverness. You're, you're brilliant and you're clever, all right? You can do lots of stuff. You can invent machine guns. But you can also give out of love that doesn't make sense. But it's because your heart was changed. And so the God that we worship is a God... <clears throat> That uh, we say, well, God, why? The disciples could have asked Jesus, well, Jesus, why doesn't God just fix the temple? Why doesn't God just change the priests and the, and the scribes and make the temple perfect so we can give to it? Or why can't God just fix the government? Why can't God just make it, make it all right? Why can't God fix health care or immigration or the church? Why can't God just fix it? Because the God that we worship and the Savior that we have is one who loves us, who says the answer to what we desire in the world to overcome our capacity to be cruel is that we ourselves can be loved in spite of our flaws, in spite of our brokenness, in spite of our sinfulness. We are loved, and that love has the capacity to transform us. It really does. It and. And that's the testimony of a follower of Jesus. It transformed my life and made me capable of loving because I was loved. And so God has placed in us the capacity to love and honor and devote ourselves to one another and to service in the world, not just as individual widows or soldiers, but as followers of Jesus, whose hearts have been transformed because we have been given love that we didn't deserve. And in response, 
we love lots of things and institutions and people that maybe don't deserve your love, but we love them anyway. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, would you pray with me? God, at 11 o'clock today, we're going to ring the bells. We're going to ring the bells because at 11 o'clock, we stopped killing each other. Never let us forget, oh God, how we are capable of ceasing to be cruel and selfish and that love can overcome all that and we can become givers and lovers of all that is imperfect. Amen.